You're listening to the Anxious Creative Podcast, episode 43. I overthink, I overshare, and I overanalyze. So come explore with me as I chat about business, life, and relationships all through the lens of an anxious creative. Okay, welcome back to the Anxious Creative Podcast. If you are listening in, you are in for a special treat. I've got a special guest here. If you're watching, you can already see who it is. That's right, the Anxious Creative Podcast is on YouTube now. So if you wanna see my lovely face as I come to you, um, go ahead over onto YouTube. Or if you're watching this already, welcome. But this week, we've got Nick here, my boyfriend, is making a special appearance because you guys seem to love when he comes on the podcast. So welcome. What's up with that? I don't know. Maybe they're just bored or sick of me. I get that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I haven't been around for a while. I took a bit of a hiatus from the podcast this year. And so I thought, why not Nick and I come at you this lovely morning. If you're watching this, you're seeing us nice, fresh faced with our coffees. Um, Well, mine's a tea latte because I don't drink caffeine. Mine's Um, coffee and Bailey's. Coffee and Bailey's. But we want to do a quick recap of 2019, which was a very big year in lots of different ways. And so why not bring the first podcast back since it's been over six months? And so I thought we could do a recap, not only on business life, but just life in general, because you guys know our business lives and our real lives intertwine so much together that I just thought we'd do a bear all episode. Cool? Um, Let's do it. Let's rewind. It's January 1st, 2019. How are you feeling? Do you remember January 1st last year? No. What did we do? I don't remember. We were... We had your brother and your sister-in-law here. And did we do any sort of... I remember I did um, some like kind of intention planning, not really goal setting. I've never really done that. And this year is one of the first years I'm going to be doing that. But doing... I don't know if we did anything. We fell asleep before midnight on New Year's. Because we had a two-year-old here. And I think we were all in bed by 11 o'clock at the latest. Yeah. And so, wonderful. All right, so what are your thoughts on, because I know a lot of people listening are creative entrepreneurs, hairstylists, self-employed people. Um, What are your thoughts, Nick, on living with someone who is self-employed and a creative? Oh, man. Loaded question. (laughs) Very loaded. Uh, They overlap in a lot of ways, but they are also two very different things. So with self-employed, it's just like a completely different rhythm and routine than like a normal nine to five. Like you just, you're, you work when you have moments of inspiration and opportunities come up. But more so, what is it like for you to be with someone like that? Yeah, so as I was saying, um, it's t- a totally different rhythm and schedule. So it's not just a, you're gone for from nine to five and then that's when I can do work, but it's kind of adjusting both of our, of our lives to this kind of dynamic where you work when inspiration hits, and so it's much more kind of lively and spontaneous and having to adapt in, in ways that... Uh, and he is someone who's very like, what are our plans for the next five weeks? Yeah, and so I like like my routine, and I like the, like a particular rhythm, and so it, it kind of has to throw all that out the window to a certain extent just to kind of accommodate for you working at home and being an entrepreneur, but also the creative side of it is, you know, that dynamic is just times ten because you have to work with your windows and work with What do you mean the, by windows? Like, when does your inspiration hit? And sometimes that's 
pretty regular, but also sometimes that's like you get this idea in the middle of dinner and you gotta go write it down. Yeah. And then you gotta go and mine that. So it can't be like, Don, write it down, come back. It's like, no, you have to, we have to create space for that, that magic and creativity to happen. And so it's trying to hold it all a bit more loosely, which can be definitely difficult for me, but that's just and kind I would of love to know I, I've had to get used to. You guys that are listening in, I would love to know in the comments, wherever, whether you're, um, you know, w watching this on YouTube or catching it wherever else, like, let us know, like, do you have that struggle with, if you're um, in a relationship or with your family of them trying to understand um, how your brain works and how things roll and how, like, for those of you hairstylists that are listening in, like, trying to get your mind off of, like, when you feel like you didn't do a good job. I remember the one time I did some extensions and I came home and my client left happy, but I was stressing mm -hmm. out about it so much. And Nick was just like, you know what you got to do? Just email her. And I couldn't let it go until, and that was, like, the anxiety in me is, like, wanting to do good, wanting to have people happy. She left happy, but I needed to be happy with myself. And I couldn't let it go in order to enjoy the evening until I emailed her. Yeah. Do you wish... There are times where you wish I had a nine to five job because a lot of the hairstylists that listen in do have set schedules, but they don't necessarily work nine to five. They maybe work some evenings and weekends, which I do teach a lot about how you don't have to be a slave to the evenings and weekends anymore. But do you wish that I had more of a concrete schedule? It's less about the schedule, and the thing I, I would find myself wishing for is, and wishing for, for both of us, is that we'd have the jobs where at 5 o'clock we can just like wash our hands and go home and not have to worry about work stuff. And so kind of almost going back to that shift work mentality where like, cool, I did my job, I did my shift, I'm off, it's somebody else's problem until I'm back in the office tomorrow uh, morning. But we I feel both... like I'd be so bored. Totally, and, and I don't, I wouldn't want that, but there are moments where I'm like, oh, just be good, just be like, no, we don't have to worry about it. Like, not not your problem, but it is your problem. And you do have to worry about it, so it's, it's nice to have that, but I don't have that 9 to 5 schedule either, so What are you talking about problem, when you say problem? Because that sounds negative. No, it doesn't have to be, the problems don't have to be negative, but it's, if an issue arises, um, it's somebody else's to deal with, and you don't have to tackle it, you don't have to devote energy or take time out of your evening to uh, manage it, but it's someone else's. Right, like so for those people who are watching, like when they get like a DM or a text from a client at night, they, is that what you're meaning? No, I just mean like it's, I, I obviously don't work in your field, so I can't put it in terms that for stylists, but it's. Um, if you work at a business, for example, and something happens, it's someone who is higher ranked than you to deal with it because it's their job to be kind of on 24-7 to deal with emails and problems that come in or money stuff or financial tax stuff that they have to fix and you as a lesser employee, like, you don't have to, that's not your problem. And so I, I miss that, that state of kind of just being free once the once, once five o'clock right hits. and are you saying miss it for me or for yourself for myself because your job i'm so i'm so confused with what he's talking about right Sorry, now like you asked me <laughs> the things i pine for yeah and, and I so i can't tell if you're talking about your career or mine yours okay okay Sorry, totally. I was like, what That's problems right. are you talking about? Okay, so back to the 2019 recap. So 
2018, I don't even remember 2018, I don't think. What was 2018? We bought our house, we moved in. Um, I don't remember the first half, like how did the years go by so quickly? Yeah, the June to January went by so fast. Cause we moved in. June to January. So the last part of 2018 went by so fast cause we moved into our house and we were just kind of getting settled here. And then all of a sudden we had my family over for Christmas. Yeah, and they and all it, stayed at our house. That yeah, was so a just, full house. It went by so that June, January just went by so fast. I don't, I don't remember much of it either. Mm -mm. All right, so 2019. 2019 was the year that my online business, so I went from being a hairstylist full-time in the salon, teaching classes, um, to completely launching my online education so that I can connect with you guys um, and be able to help our industry more. It sounds really cheesy when I say it out loud, but to really, I really wanna change the industry and how, like the hairstyling industry is how we're seen and how we're treated and how we're like less stigmatized. Um, so it's been a really exciting year on that front. Looking back, I remember this time last year, I was so nervous to be putting out to the world my new Rock Your Business program. Do you remember that? I do. I remember going and getting acupuncture for my anxiety. I was like, what am I doing? Oh my goodness. This is something that I wanted and I wish would have been around for me, but like, will people want it? Will they see value in it? Will they think like I had all sorts of doubts, which is what always comes to play. Yeah, you were like that perfect embodiment of excited where like part of it is, is joyful and you're anticipating and part of it is like pure terror. And yeah. you're just you were just kind of vibrating on all those different levels for There'd be moments for where I'm like this is gonna be amazing, I'm gonna be able to help so many people, and then like moments of like, what the heck was I thinking? Mm -hmm. I go should... back to the salon and just you know Well, I was still in the salon. But like, should I even like call it quits and not even put this out there? And I think that's the thing that so many people do is they like create something, they get so close to it and then they get spooked. Have you ever experienced that? Mm -hmm. Do you have a, do you have a time in your life where you got spooked and you ran away? I don't think I ever ran away, but I remember the feeling like with like the, the Christmas show I do the first time I do it not feeling now explain to us the difference between a Christmas service and a Christmas show, because I still don't understand this. One's... No, we're not going to get into that because you're just antagonizing me. No, I'm legitimately... I still, after three years, I don't understand the difference. But we can talk about that another time. Well, we don't, we can... Nick is a minister. If you like, People find this fascinating all the time. They don't understand... Blows their minds. Yeah. Um, he's a minister at a United Church in the United Church of Canada. Um, we're not married, and that is really confusing to a lot of people. We can ask us more of those questions another time. Ask or us go anything. back a few podcast episodes and we chat about that there. Um, but anyway, things that you quit and ran away from. I don't know if I ran away from anything in recent memory, but I, I know the feeling of doubt and insecurity and wanting to just pack it in because that would be the easier thing than pushing through. And so I know what it feels like to kind of sit in the fence and be like, okay, I could jump off to either side and do a really difficult and new, challenging, scary thing, or I could just hop off on the other side and go back to what is safe and comfortable. And so what makes you jump off? Because that's where... Like, I mean, jump forward. Yeah, jump forward. Yeah, yeah. That's Because that's, that's where the life is. That's where my joy wants to take me. Mm -hmm. And... 
if I've learned anything in life, it's that life begins and ends with joy, and you, you have, have to, to go... if you want, so people can talk you have, to you. No, I'm okay, thanks. And <laughs> um, you have to go through it. You have to kind of push through life to get to the other side, and you have to get uncomfortable. And nothing's going to happen if you don't get uncomfortable and don't sweat a bit. So, so that's what kind of forces me to jump off and try something new and something scary. To, is that you can't experience joy without it? No, I'm sure you can, but like if, if life is about trying new things and it's about growth and becoming and experiencing who you want to be, you have to get uncomfortable and you have to kind of throw yourself into something new and persevere through it. Mm-hmm. If you don't you have go to be through willing it, to suck. Totally, yeah. And you can still experience joy and, and be comfortable, but I, I think the ceiling's going to be pretty low on that. Yeah, and that's one thing that I teach in um, my courses and in my live classes is that you have to be willing to get uncomfortable and you have to be okay with sucking at something in the beginning. And I always say, like, I always ask people, like, does anyone, like, think of, like, do you know a toddler? And then, like, everyone raises their hands. And I'm like, and when they fall down, when they're trying to walk, do you, like, look at them and be like, oh, my gosh, you're an idiot. Don't ever try that again. We don't. (laughs) We encourage them to keep going. And yet, at some point in our lives we start to think that about ourselves of like we try something we fall down and then we have this internal dialogue of like you suck i can't believe you even tried that you're terrible at it don't ever ever go there again which is weird that we like go from like childhood and children where we're so gentle we're so nurturing we're so encouraging for them to push into that discomfort fall down keep falling down keep falling down keep falling down keep mm-hmm. falling down keep falling down until you get your balance but where do you think the shift happens in life where we start stop having that gentleness and empathy towards others and ourselves but mainly ourselves to be willing to fail this it's somewhere like in my life at least i can only speak to that but it's like where woundedness kicks in and shame can kick in but where does that so happen? that that tween teen side of things where you just used the term tween. I did. Is that all right? Um, that, like that 12, 13, I think, stage, like that, that really kicks in that fear of what will other people think and do I really fit in? And it's better to do what is safe and comfortable than kind of push through to who I want to be. Do you think there's some sort of like consciousness that is unleashed on us at that age? Like where all of a sudden we're aware of what other people think? I'm sure we're always aware of it. I don't know. That's a good question. But I think it's more what other people think is more valued. So it's not that we can become aware that other people can think about us, but it's what the, my peers think that matters more. So the, the social pressure is, has a higher value in when we're teenagers. And do you think that can be trained out of people? Do you think there are some kids at that age that don't feel that? I think so, yeah. I, I think I remember there, and I don't. It'd be interesting to ask them, but I remember kids that just seemed so fearless in junior high school. They would just do whatever they wanted, and they were they were so uniquely themselves and seemed so comfortable in that, and they didn't really give a crap what other people thought. Yeah. Um, and so I'd be curious what I'm sure they struggle with it, but what what were they receiving at home? What was their inner dialogue that made them just choose to, you know, wear whatever they wanted and like the music that they wanted and do the activities they liked. Um, instead of just bowing down to whatever the trend or cool thing was. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, back to, we always get off topic. So back to 2019. So 2019 started out, so I let I let the world see my online, my mm-hmm. signature online program, Rock Your Business. 
Um, huge success right off the bat, which was really exciting. That was January 17th, I believe, 2019. It was super close, yeah. Huh, close to what? The new year. Oh. <laughs> I was like, you're close to what? Um, and then, I don't even remember. So February, March, I did some traveling, which was really exciting. I was on sabbatical. Oh yeah, Nick had four months off. I did. He was gonna bake a bunch of bread. I think he only baked like a couple times though. I think like six times, I feel, made like six loaves. Can you guys imagine having four months off of work paid? Pretty amazing. And so, tell me about do you, in hindsight and retrospect, um, are you happy with how you spent your time? I think so. I, it, it's four months He's very is, uncommittal is a super long time. Um, and, and just so everyone's on the same page, it, it's not vacation. It's not steady leave. It's, it's, you know, to use the root word of it is Sabbath. So it's just like pure rest, rejuvenation, so how does it, um, what's rest rejuvenation is very similar to vacation. So what would you say? No, vacation can be, no, it's not. It, it can be, but they're not the, the they're not in, okay, inherently well, the same it's thing. It's time off. We don't need to get into that. Okay, so what's your question? Are you happy in retrospect with how you spent your sabbatical, not time off, supposedly? Yeah, I think I am. It, it took a month to figure out like how to do it. Um, and so the first while was just a, a really nice, cool, I'm off, I have nothing to do, this is great. But Did then you get to bored? learn. Yeah, yeah, boredom was a big part of it. And how do we, what do we do with boredom? Who's we? Jet people in general. Oh. I, just, I was like, who are you on time off with? You didn't see them in the house? I had people over all the time. All right, go on. Uh, but learning what to do with boredom was a big part of it. And how do we rest? and be bored and, and how can that be a fruitful... <laughs> he's making it into a sermon, okay. that's why he's saying we. Um, he can't talk in first person. Fuck off. Um, but you, but it, you notice that you're took, doing that? Yeah, I'm doing it on how purpose. Do, how do we do this? How do we do this? Like, um, it's, yeah, it was a, you keep distracting me from what you answer because <laughs> you keep trying to make fun of me. No, I'm just um, like, it doesn't need to be a sermon. It can just be, what was your experience? It was good. It was everything that I think I needed it to be once I had figured out how to rest and relax and use it the way that I needed it to be used. Was there nervousness going back to work? Like, I know when I take time off and, like, I know when I've taken, like, a week off or two weeks off, the day before going back, I get super anxious about just, like, getting pulled back into, especially when I've gone offline. Now, you didn't go offline for four months, but that's a really extended time away from the stresses of work. Whether stresses are bad or good, was there a nervousness about going back? Yeah, the nervousness was around how do I take everything that I learned on a sabbatical back to work with me? So how do I not just jump back into unhealthy behaviors and patterns and rhythms uh, but how do I take kind of the, the self-care and reflection that I did over those four months and how do I actually bring it with me so a month into work I'm not like fuck I need a new sabbatical. Yeah and I think that's like the biggest thing for a lot of people is like you have unhealthy work patterns. Us hairstylists in particular tend to work long hours, don't take breaks because we want to fit everyone in or just like creative entrepreneurs like you know like inspiration hits at 11.30 p.m. and you stay up till 3 a.m. Um, you have these unhealthy patterns, but they also seem to work. And so you mm -hmm. rest and you kind of like, I know I still struggle with like the 
crash and burn, crash and burn, crash and burn, but that also seems to be the rhythm that works for me too. And so is it unhealthy? Is it healthy? Is it better to just like make hay while the sun shines? And I know what I've been learning, and this isn't gonna really particularly relate to Nick, but um, for any of my female listeners is that supposedly our workflow goes with our cycle. And so there's actually hmm. like, days of the month that we're more productive and so there's some article and I should find it where it encourages employers to like let um, give females like the time off during those unproductive days and then allow them to work extra during those really productive days and I've never really charted mine but I know that I have a few friends that do and like see where their really productive time is and like plan for it and work towards it and I know that I definitely feel there's times where I just can't get anything done um but yeah, trying not to bring going back to that and go off on a lot of tangents around think, here. But, and that's but that's why it's there's a difference between like a sabbatical and a vacation because part of the sabbatical is meant to be how do you re, how do I reflect on the my patterns and behaviors? Uh, it's not just time off. It's in order to come back rejuvenated and rested, like soulfully, professionally, vocationally rested. I have to reflect on like how do I hurt myself and how do I get myself into really bad habits that don't let me be the best that I can be or don't let me do my job as well as I could. And so now being a year later, do you, feel, crazy. do you feel like you've maintained the positive things you learned from your four months off? Some of them. Um, and the interesting thing now, in even just like in the past like two weeks as I've reflected on it, because it's still hard for me to believe that like it's been a year since I left for sabbatical. Mm -hmm. um, I think... I went back to work with the sense of I am not my profession, so I am not my job. Oh, um, good one for all you guys listening. You are not I, your job. I am Separate more than it. this. So it my life became more compartmentalized instead of it just all being like, oh, you're a minister and therefore you're like this. Yeah. I went back being like, nope, you're just a part of my life and you are by no means the defining characteristic of my life. Mm -hmm. um, so better boundaries kind of went up around that. Boundaries. Um, because you guys didn't know, I talk about boundaries a lot. You do. You're good at it. I feel uh, like you're the, the most boundaried minister or like clergy person or church worker I've ever seen. Um, I'm definitely I, up there. And I know I grew up in a very different kind of church community and culture. Um, but I, I feel like growing up, the pastors were very like 24-7. Totally. And we're taught, like we're trained to kind of have that mentality and that practice. But I think oh, see, I remember. Okay. We're, we're taught both. We're taught like, oh, have boundaries, but really, like, do this. Right. And so, and the, you can tell, you can tell the weight mm -hmm. at which those. And you've gotten given. shit for having boundaries. Totally gotten shit. Uh, but I, I lucked into my boundaries more than any, anything because when I moved here for this job, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any friends. Sounds like, familiar. So Sounds like was, a familiar story. Um, I just had to be like, hey, I'm in a new city, in a new place. Um, I need time to figure my life out as well as figure my job out. And so I just kind of naturally fell into these boundaries of your social events and your concerts. I'm not coming to them because I'm trying to create some self-care systems outside of work. And those kind of, that just kind of stuck where I just, I don't do extra stuff. Right. Um, I'll do, I'm learning to do the ones that I have to do to honor relationships, but for the most part, I just kind of lucked out and being like, no, I'm not coming to those things. And that expectation was set from day one. Mm -hmm. And so, which was better than, it's a much better way to do it than change your habits halfway through. 
Yeah, I always to... joke with people about like the easy thing to do in your business is to pack all up and move to a new city like oh, yeah. I did. But it's not. It's not at it's all. It's not realistic. Cause you, well, it's not easier at all because you you're still not do changing the core problem. But it would be like if you change the core problem and up and move, then you don't have, you can start off fresh with the systems, but you need to have those in place. But it's still worth doing the work. Don't totally, just, I'm not telling you guys to pack up and leave and start over. You have to do the work. You have to learn to communicate because there's going to be times down the road where mm -hmm. you're going to have to communicate those boundaries to someone who doesn't understand anyway. But those tough mm -hmm. conversations can be tough. They can be hard. Um, I'm just going to do a little plug here because it's such a good time. And I have a free download for you guys to make those conversations easier about raising your prices. So dombradley.com slash prices. It's my email template that you can give, you can use and like, it's kind of like Mad Libs to email and communicate to your clients that your prices are going up. Cause that's one of those conversations that's super hard to have, especially yeah. when you're self-employed is like communicating. Like I have chosen to raise my prices. It's not like you can't blame your boss anymore about your prices going up. Yeah. And, and you have to have them. And those are like, even since returning back from sabbatical, people had an expectation like, oh, you're rested, so you're going to come back and like do more social events. I'm like, no, I'm actually going to do even less. And those are the hard conversations you have to have because you're going to just disappoint people. You're going to frustrate people. But it's the. It's learning you have to, to have leading with kindness, compassion, and empathy. Totally. And learning how to have the conversation not. Um, aggressively or offensively because that will produce a defensive response but just to have it where you're not doing something to them or at them but you're doing it for them so like in yeah. your example and I always say like you could be like hey I'm not attending this thing but this is because I need to take some time to rest and recover so that I can show up Sunday morning in a really good place mm -hmm. for you guys so know that I'm not purposely avoiding this but I'm doing this so that I can show up better for everyone where they're, when I'm expecting. Yeah, and those, and when I talk about that, or just, I'll talk about like, I need to steward my energy these ways. You can Nine times out of 10, they're, they're super receptive to that. Yeah. They might be bummed out, but they're like, they get it. And it's amazing, like, because I teach a lot about communication, how much you can control someone's response by how you talk to them. All right, so 2019, Nick had four months off. He went back to work May, May 1st. And then that leads us to like the hardest part. The shittiest part of the year. That was the month our dog died. Maybe the hardest year for me, I know, and I can probably speak for you too. Definitely the hardest thing that I've had to go through. Um, and we're still trying to figure it out and navigate yeah. everything that that came out of uh, Leroy's death. And that's um, where that I just kind of gave up. It was unexpected. And super traumatic in how it went down. And very traumatic. And the one thing I've learned is that, and everyone, like you guys were so supportive. The most amount of support I got was from my online community. Which I don't is, think we would have gotten through it as well as we did initially without the yeah. online support. The that amount of you guys amazing. that reached out, that sent cards, that sent gifts. Because um, Leroy was such a part of this all. Like, he made an appearance on every podcast episode, I think. <laughs> um, I knew this was going to happen. And he came to the salon. And that's like a very much a, like a before and after marker of a lot of things in my life. Oh, massive. Yeah. And it taught me a lot. It, I don't want to say taught me like I I don't remember like I was thinking last night about this like 
I know my mom came here for a week and I went and taught, like he passed away on a Tuesday night. I went and taught the next Monday and Tuesday in Edmonton, which is crazy. And I got so much support from like a city three hours away. My mom drove and I was like heavily medicated. Um, and there was like the question of like, do I reschedule it? Do I do this? Yeah. But I pushed through, I, I stopped work at the salon. I couldn't do that. And the biggest part for that was because he came there every day with me. So through like the other biggest tragedy in my life, I can compare his death to is my divorce. And I think I only took one day off during that, but like my husband, ex-husband didn't come to work with me every day. So it wasn't a reminder where Leroy was there. And I still struggle to go into the salon because he was such a big part of that place. Um, but I don't know how I went and taught and people love the classes. And then I went and spoke at a retreat down in California. Um, and then June, July and August, I don't really remember. Was I present? <laughs> no, not I really. don't really have a clue. That's like, what grief, like we were heavily in grief for, and in very different ways, but yeah, like you were deep in that for a huge part of the past year. I don't think like death is so different and trauma is so different, like definitely traumatizing. We weren't expecting it. We weren't ready to say goodbye. The one thing I learned and I'll be completely honest with you guys listening is the one thing that really frustrated me in all of it was people wanting to know what happened. And that wasn't something I mm -hmm. wanted to share. And I know that for a lot of people it was coming from a place of caring, but it really felt like they just wanted to know the details and they didn't care. And that's something I really struggled with and I felt, I don't know if I felt angry with, but it just felt intrusive. It felt like people just wanted, and that's part of being online is people, you know, the, the relationships you feel like you know people, but there was like sometimes feeling like people just wanted to know the dirty details. Uh, and I don't think that was the intention at all, but I was so hurt and in a broken place that I just wanted people to say like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And the one thing I took from it is now when I know people are going through a hard time and a time of loss, I want to let them know like, hey, if you want to talk about it, I'm here to listen. But if you don't, it's okay too. And I think like we all usually go into scenarios and situations um, going forward with like, what would I want in this situation? And so often we get, we try to give to people what we would want, but remembering that other people want different things. And so I don't feel like anyone was intrusive, but I think that was like the hardest thing is dealing with people like asking what happened and not feeling like that was something that I wanted to share. That was just like one thing that I wanted to be private for us. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know if that even makes sense, but... Well, it, I on this end, too, it just seems so triggering of, like, what happened? And then that would take yeah. us right back to that night. And I and you yeah. have to relive it and telling it. And so it's it, it's just you have to go through it. It's traumatizing every single time you got to tell that story, especially in, you're, when you're in the midst of the grief itself. Oh, grief is tough. And, yeah, I think, though, like, his passing and my, de and my death... <laughs> Oh my goodness. And my divorce are like the two most traumatic things I've ever experienced. And yeah, like, I think I have PTSD from it, for sure. And I have to be really like, I, and now I'm like on this other end of the spectrum where like, I just can't acknowledge it sometimes. 
which is really hard. But mm. that kind of, that was May 7th that I'd just gotten back from uh, hair love retreat. I wasn't, the disbelief, the not, not wanting to accept it, mm -hmm. like the bargaining, it's all there. Like oh, trying to like stages, yeah. Yeah, I remember like trying to figure out, like, is there a way to get them back? Yeah. And then looking, how do we direct our anger and emotions and how to, like, just, the whole thing is just so overwhelming on, I've been able to talk about grief in funerals and in sermons and workshops, but like this com going through it completely changed just my, yeah. my empathy towards it of like, there's not much, we can tell you the ins and outs of it, but until you're in it, you don't know how traumatizing and overwhelming and exhausting and destabilizing it can be. And I know one thing I struggled with was like, because the world puts pets sometimes in a different category, feeling shame or embarrassment over like, oh, what are people thinking? Because this was just my dog, but he was so much more than just a dog. He was part of our family. Yeah. He was my child. He was through. He was your soulmate. Yeah, totally. Anyway, so that's basically my 2019 went till May 7th, and then I just like checked out. And I'm still struggling, clearly, yeah. I'm still struggling with it. Um, and it's funny because I did an Instagram post a little while ago being like, this decade, 2010, started with me opening up a business and getting a divorce. And then the decade has ended with a death, but also like the rebirth of my business in the online yeah. world. And so it's like professionally, the last decade's been amazing. And personally, it's had a lot of tragedy, which is really an interesting thing. And I had a text from someone recently that was like, oh my goodness, like things look like they're so amazing for you. And I was like, yeah, I'm glad they appear that way. In a lot of ways they are, but there's a lot of things that people don't see. And especially like this podcast called The Anxious Creative, like a lot of times people don't see the anxiety that's going on underneath the surface or the truth. And I've always been someone where I'm like, I don't want to sugarcoat things or be like that perfect picturesque thing online. I want to be real about the fact of like, we still got to work through things and we're all in different places. And there's never going to be a time where everything, like I cross my fingers, maybe there'll be a time in life where everything's perfect and everything goes right and you don't have to worry about anything. But I think life's just a roller coaster. <laughs> Let us know when you find that place. Um, and so I think, I don't know, like learning to have like grace for myself that like, I'm so glad that I was able to, that I, that I could continue on. I was able in a lot of ways, had a lot of strength, but in a lot of ways, like just had to collapse and fall apart. Like I could find the strength to do the work I needed to do and then come home and crash. And what I saw you do is the moments where you took steps forward through the healing or process was when you actually allowed yourself to fall apart. What do you mean? It's when you let the emotions out. It's when you took time to actually yell and scream and rage about the death and not just kind of push it down. It's when you actually let it out that I could see you taking some even just tiny steps forward and being able to do a bit more work or move a bit closer towards Like you'd healing. see me break down and then you'd see me work more? Is that what you mean? No, I, I, the tendency is for us just to stuff things down and pretend everything is okay and kind of power through mm -hmm. and not fall apart. 
But what I saw through you is it's when you chose to let yourself fall apart. Um, yeah, you can get stuff done and power through and push everything down, but it's when you let yourself fall apart that I saw you heal more and take steps towards whatever is after your grieving process. Yeah, and I think, I, I don't know if I fully understand what you're saying, but um, the one thing is like not struggling about like what's the new normal and one of my friends Becky like made a point once where she's like there is no new normal there's just before and after totally and that's how I feel and that's yeah it's like I struggled oh my goodness I struggled for a long time obviously still do feeling like it was like not honoring him my voice goes like two octaves higher when I cry or like that I was like, I know there's like this weird thing of like feeling like not, uh, yeah, not honoring him or like that I was going to forget him or I don't know about like moving forward, but just being like, okay, I can't, I'm not like Walter's not a replacement for him. Um, and it's not just trying to like band-aid things, but yeah, it's not like a new normal because we're like getting rid of the old normal. It's just... There was before with Leroy and now there's yeah. after without. And that helps my brain like be okay with it. Like we're not trying to replace what was, but we're just creating um, what is now. Yeah, and, and that allows us to, to hold on to Leroy in so many ways instead of kind of severing our life into, well, that used to be, so that's past. And now the, all that matters is what's forward. Yeah, and I think that that's a really important approach to let's let's just embrace it all, because mm -hmm. he's still a part of our lives in in so many ways. And we call Walter Leroy all the time. Yeah, <laughs> we do. Uh, but we actively work to make sure that we don't just kind of new normal and then let's move on. But no, we still have to recognize it, and that's just I appreciate the honesty that we approach that with. Yeah. So with that, because this is getting to be a very long podcast, 2019 was an amazing year in a lot of ways and a really hard year in a lot of other ways. And so I don't know, I don't know how to sum up 2019 or I don't have a word for 2019, but it was really, really hard. Yeah. And not that like at the stroke of midnight on the 31st, all of a sudden everything was amazing in 2020, but this the fact that it just is what it is and now 2020 is a new chapter and not we're not going to forget what happened in 2019 but it's a chance to kind of recalibrate and reset and kind of start with a fresh palette i don't know if that's we're going to keep writing the story i mean it, yeah it's yeah. a new chapter like that's the best way to put it because it's not like the story ends and a new book begins it's just no. we keep our life goes on through this and it builds up from it all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Anytime. Nick. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I brought him on, one, because I knew I was going to break down and cry and he was going to have to carry the conversation. But that's just me, uh, us wanting to share a bit of our lives and welcome you back to the podcast. I'm so excited to be sharing more stuff with you. Um, stay tuned. Uh, subscribe like comment review i want you to share this with your friends and your family if you've enjoyed it and stay tuned because there are some really awesome episodes coming your way thanks for being here guys talk to you soon bye